Chapter fifty three of the Fortunes of Glencore. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Fortunes of Glencore by Charles James Lever. Chapter fifty three. A Mask in Carnival Time. From the gorgeous halls of the Pitti Palace down to the humblest chamber in Camaldole, Florence was a scene of rejoicing. As night closed in, the crowds seemed only to increase and the din and clamour to grow louder. It seemed as though festivity and joy had overflowed from the houses, filling the streets with merrymakers. In the clear, cold air, groups feasted and sang and danced all mingling and intermixing with a freedom that showed how thoroughly the spirit of pleasure-seeking can annihilate the distinctions of class the soiled and tattered mummer leaned over the carriage door and exchanged compliments with the masked duchess within the titled noble of a dozen quarterings stopped to pledge a merry company who pressed him to drain a glass of montepulciano with them there was a perfect fellowship between those whom fortune had so widely separated and the polished accents of high society were heard to blend with the quaint and racy expressions of the people theatres and palaces lay open all lighted at giorno the whole population of the city surged and swayed to and fro like a mighty sea in motion making the air resound the while with a wild mixture of sounds wherein music and laughter were blended amid the orgy however not an act not a word of rudeness disturbed the general content it was a season of universal joy and none dared to destroy the spell of pleasure that presided our task is not to follow the princely equipage as they roll in unceasing tides with the marble courts nor yet to track the strong flood that poured through the wide thoroughfares in all the wildest exuberance of their joy our business is with two travellers who well weary of being for hours afoot and partly sated with pleasure sat down to rest themselves on a bench beside the arno it's a glorious fooling that must be owned billy said charles massey and the spirit is most contagious how little have you or i in common with these people we scarce can catch the accents of the droll allusions we cannot follow the strains of their rude songs and yet we are carried away like the rest to feel a wild enjoyment in all this din and glitter and movement how well they do it too that's all by reason of concentration said billy gravely they are highly charged with fun the old adage says non semper sunt saturnalia it is not every day morris kills a cow yet it is by this very habit of enjoyment that they know how to be happy to be sure it is cried billy they have a ritual for it which we haven't as cicero tells us in jucundis nullum periculum but ye see we have no notion of any amusement without a dash of danger through it if not even cruelty the French know how to reconcile the two natures. They are brave and light-hearted, too. And the Irish, Mr. Charles, the Irish especially, said Billy proudly, for I was alluding to the English in what I said last. 
the versatile ingenium is all our own he goes into a tent and he spends half a crown comes out meets a friend and for love knocks him down there's an elegant philosophy in that now that a saxon would never see for it is out of the very fullness of the heart you may remark that pat does this just as much as to say i don't care for the expense he smashes a skull just as he would a whole dresser of crockery ware there's something very grand in that recklessness the tone of the remark and a certain wild energy of his manner showed that poor billy's faculties were slightly under the influences of the tuscan grape and the youth smiled at sight of an excess so rare how hard it must be said matty to go back to the workaday routine of life after one of these outbursts to resume not alone the drudgery but all the slavish observances that humble men yield to great ones tis what bacon says there's nothing so hard as unlearning anything and the proof is how few of us ever do it we always go on musing old thoughts with new putting different kinds of wine into the same glass and then wondering we are not invigorated you're in a mood for moralizing tonight i see billy said the other smiling the levities of life always put me on that thrack just as too bright a day reminds me to take out an umbrella with me yet i do not see that all your observation of the world has indisposed you to enjoy it or that you take harsher views of life the closer you look at it quite the reverse the more i see of mankind the more i'm struck with the fact that the very wickedest and worst can't get rid of remorse tis something out of a man's nature entirely something that dwells outside of him sets him on to commit a crime and then he begins to reason and dispute with the temptation just like one keeping bad company and listening to impure notions and evil suggestions day after day as he does this he gets to have a taste for that kind of low society and then with his own bad thoughts till at last every other ceases to amuse him look what's that there where they are going with all the torches there cried he suddenly springing up and pointing to a dense crowd that passed along the street it was a band of music dressed in a quaint medieval costume on its way to serenade some palace let us follow and listen to them billy said the youth and they arose and joined the throng following in the wake of the dense mass they at last reached the gates of a great palace and after some waiting gained access to the spacious courtyard the grim old statues and armorial bearings shone in the glare of a hundred torches and the deep echoes rang with the brazen voices of the band as pent up within the quadrangle the din of a large orchestra arose on a great terrace overhead numerous figures were grouped indistinctly seen from the light of the salons within but whose mysterious movements completed the charm of a very interesting picture some wrapped in shawls to shroud them from the night air some less cautiously emerging from the rooms within leaned over the marble balustrade and showed their jewelled arms in the dim hazy light while around and about them gay uniforms and costumes abounded as billy gave himself up to the excitement of the music young matty more interested by the aspect of the scene gazed unceasingly at the balcony there was just that shadowy indistinctness in the whole 
that invested it with a kind of romantic interest and he could weave stories and incidents from those whose figures passed and repassed before him he fancied that in their gestures he could trace many meanings and as the bent down heads approached and their hands touched he fashioned many a tale in his own mind of moving fortunes and see she comes again to that same dark angle of the terrace muttered he to himself as shrouded in a large mantle and with a half mask on her features a tall and graceful figure passed into the place he spoke of she looks like one among but not of them how much of heart weariness is there in that attitude how full is it of sad and tender melancholy would that i could see her face my life on't that it is beautiful there she is tearing up her bouquet leaf by leaf the rose leaves are falling as though one by one hopes are decaying in her heart he pushed his way through the dense throng till he gained a corner of the court where a few leaves and flower stems yet strewed the ground carefully gathering up these he crushed them in his hand and seemed to feel as though a nearer tie bound him to the fair unknown how little ministers to the hope how infinitely less again will feed the imagination of a young heart between them now there was to his appreciation some mysterious link yes he said to himself true i stand unknown unnoticed yet it is to me of all the thousands here she could reveal what is passing in that heart i know it i feel it she has a sorrow whose burden i might help to bear there is cruelty or treachery or falsehood arrayed against her and though all the splendor of the scene and through all the splendor of the scene all the wild gaiety of the orgy some spectral image never leaves her side i would stake existence on it that i have read her aright of all the intoxications that can entrance the human faculties there is none so maddening as that produced by giving full sway to an exuberant imagination the bewilderment resists every effort of reason and in its onward course carries away its victims with all the force of a mountain torrent a winding stair long unused and partly dilapidated led to the end of the terrace where she stood and massy yielding to some strange impulse slowly and noiselessly crept up this till he gained a spot only a few yards removed from her the dark shadow of the building almost completely concealed his figure and left him free to contemplate her unnoticed some event of interest within had withdrawn all from the terrace save herself the whole balcony was suddenly deserted and she alone remained to all seeming lost to the scene around her it was then that she removed her mask and suffering it to fall back on her neck rested her head pensively on her hand massy bent over eagerly to try and catch sight of her face the effort he made startled her she looked round and he cried out ida ida my heart could not deceive me in another instant he had climbed the balcony and was beside her i thought we had parted for ever sebastian said she you told me so on the last night at massa and so i meant when i said it cried he nor is our meeting now of my planning i came to florence it is true to see 
but not to speak with you ere i left europe for ever for three entire days i have searched the city to discover where you lived and chance i have no better name for it chance has led me hither it is an unkind fortune that has made us meet again said she in a voice of deep melancholy i have never known fortune in any other mood said he fiercely when clouds show me the edge of their silver linings i only prepare myself for storm and hurricane i know you have endured much said she in a voice of deeper sadness you know but little of what i have endured rejoined he sternly you saw me taunted indeed with my humble calling insulted for my low birth expelled ignominiously from a house where my presence had been sought for and yet all these grievous enough are little to other evils i have had to bear by what unhappy accident what mischance have you made her your enemy sebastian she would not even suffer me to speak to you she went so far as to tell me that there was a reason for the dislike one which if she could reveal i would never question how can i tell cried he angrily i was born i suppose under an evil star for nothing prospers with me but can you even guess her reasons said she eagerly no except it be the presumption of one in my condition daring to aspire to one in yours and that as the world goes would be reason enough it is probable too that i did not state these pretensions of mine over delicately i told her with a frankness that was not quite acceptable i was one who could not speak of birth or blood she did not like the coarse word i applied to myself and i will not repeat it and she ventured to suggest that had there not appeared some ambiguity in her own position i could never have so far forgotten mine as to advance such pretensions well and then cried the girl eagerly well and then said he deliberately i told her i had heard rumours of the kind she alluded to but to me they carried no significance that it was for you i cared the accidents of life around you had no influence on my choice you might be all that the greatest wealth and highest blood could make you or as poor and ignoble as myself without any change in my affections these said she are the insulting promptings of that english breeding which you say has mixed with your blood and if for no other cause would make me distrust you stained as it may be said i that same english blood is the best pride i possess she grew pale with passion as i said this but never spoke a word and there we stood staring haughtily at each other till she pointed to the door and so i left her and now ida who is she that treats me thus disdainfully i ask you not in anger for i know too well how the world regards such as me to presume to question its harsh injustice but tell me i beseech you that she is one to whose station these prejudices are the fitting accompaniments and let me feel that it is less myself as the individual that she wrongs than the class i belong to is that which she despises i can better bear this contumely when i know that it is an instinct if birth and blood can justify a prejudice a princess of the house of Diliatore might claim the privilege said the girl haughtily 
no family of the north at least will dispute with our own in lineage but there are other causes which may warrant all that she feels toward you even more strongly sebastian this boast of your english origin this it is which has doubtless injured you in her esteem too much reason has she had to cherish the antipathy betrayed into a secret marriage by an englishman who represented himself as of a race noble as her own she was deserted and abandoned by him afterwards this is a terrible mystery which i never dared to tell you and which has led us to a life of seclusion in massa this is the source of that hatred towards all of a nation which she must ever associate with the greatest misfortunes of her life and from this unhappy event was she led to make me that solemn oath that i spoke of never to link my fortunes with one of that hated land but you told me that you had not made the pledge said he wildly nor had i then sebastian but since we last met worked on by solicitation i could not resist tortured by a narrative of such sorrows as i never listened to before i yielded and gave my promise it matters little to me said he gloomily a barrier the more or less can be of slight moment when there rolls a wide sea between us had you ever loved me such a pledge had been impossible it was you yourself sebastian told me we were never to meet again rejoined she better that we had never done so muttered he nay perhaps i am wrong added he fiercely this meeting may serve to mark how little there ever was between us is this cruelty affected sebastian or is it real it cannot be cruel to echo your own words besides said he with an air of mockery in the words she who lives in this gorgeous palace surrounded with all the splendors of life can have little complaint to make against the cruelty of fortune how unlike yourself is all this cried she you of all i have ever seen or known understood how to rise above the accidents of fate placing your happiness and your ambitions in a sphere where mere questions of wealth never entered what can have so changed you before he could reply a sudden movement in the crowd beneath attracted the attention of both and a number of persons who had filled the terrace now passed hurriedly into the salons where to judge from the commotion an event of some importance had occurred ida lost not a moment in entering when she was met by the words it is she nina herself is ill some mask a stranger it would seem has said something or threatened something in fact she had been carried to her room in strong convulsions and while some were in search of medical aid for her others not less eagerly were endeavouring to detect the delinquent from the gay and brilliant picture of festivity which was presented but a few minutes back what a change now came over the scene many hurried away at once shocked at even a momentary shadow on the sunny road of their existence others as anxiously pressed on to recount the incident elsewhere some again moved by curiosity or some better prompting exerted themselves to investigate what amounted to a gross violation of the etiquette of a carnival and thus in the salons on the stairs and in the court itself the greatest bustle and confusion prevailed at length some suggested that the gate of the palace should be closed and none suffered to depart without unmasking the motion was at once adopted 
and a small knot of persons the friends of the countess assumed the task of the scrutiny despite complaints and remonstrances as to the inconvenience and delay thus occasioned they examined every carriage as it passed out none however but faces familiar to the florentine world were to be met with the well-known of every ball and fete were there and if a stranger presented himself he was sure to be one for whom some acquaintance could bear testimony at a fire in one of the smaller salons stood a small group of which the duc de brignoles and major scaresby formed a part sentiments of a very different order had detained these two individuals and while the former was deeply moved by the insult offered to the countess the latter felt an intense desire to probe the circumstance to the bottom devilish odd it is cried scaresby here we have been this last hour and a half turning a whole house out of the windows and yet there's no one to tell us what it's all about pardon monsieur said the duke severely we know that a lady whose hospitality we have been accepting has retired from her company insulted it is very clearly our duty that this should not pass unpunished oughtn't we to have some clearer insight into what constituted the insult it may have been a practical joke a mauvaise plaisanterie duke we have no claim to the confidence not extended to us sir said the frenchman to me it is quite sufficient that the countess feels aggrieved not but we shall cut an absurd figure to-morrow when we own that we don't know what we were so indignant about only so many of us have characters for the latest intelligence to this sally there succeeded a somewhat awkward pause scaresby occupying himself with thoughts of some perfectly safe vengeance i shouldn't wonder if it was that count marsano that fellow who used to be about the nina long ago come back again he was at como this summer and made many inquiries after his old love a most insulting stare of defiance was the only reply the old duke could make to what he would have been delighted to resent as a personal affront marsano is a mauvais stral said a russian if a woman slighted him or he suspected that she did he's the very man to execute a vengeance of the kind i should apply a harsher epithet to a man capable of such conduct said the duke he'd not take it patiently duke said the other it is precisely in that hope sir that i should employ it said the duke again was the conversation assuming a critical turn and again an interval of ominous silence succeeded there is but one carriage now in the court your excellency said the servant addressing the duke in a low voice and the gentleman inside appears to be seriously ill it might be better perhaps not to detain him of course not said the duke but stay i will go down myself there was still a considerable number of persons on foot in the court when the duke descended but only one equipage remained a hired carriage at the open door of which a servant was standing holding a glass of water for his master can i be of any use to your master said the duke approaching is he ill i fear he has burst a blood vessel sir said the man he is too weak to answer me who is it what's his name i am not able to tell you sir i only accompanied him from the hotel let us have a doctor at once he appears to be dying said the duke 
as he placed his fingers on the sick man's wrist let someone go for a physician there is one here cried a voice i'm a doctor and billy trainer pushed his way to the spot come master charles get into the coach and help me to lift him out young massey obeyed and not without difficulty they succeeded at last in disengaging the almost lifeless form of a man whose dark domino was perfectly saturated with fresh blood his half mask still covered his face and to screen his features from the vulgar gaze of the crowd they suffered it to remain there up the wide stairs and into a spacious salon they now carried the figure whose drooping head and hanging limbs gave little signs of life they placed him on a sofa and trainer with a ready hand untied the mask and removed it merciful heavens cried he it's my lord himself the youth bent down gazed for a few seconds at the corpse-like face and fell fainting to the floor my lord glencore himself said the duke who was himself an old and attached friend hush not a word whispered trainer he's rallying he's coming too don't utter a syllable slowly and languidly the dying man raised his eyelids and gazed at each of those around him from their faces he turned his gaze to the chamber viewing the walls and the ceiling all in turn and then in an accent barely audible he said where am i amongst friends who love and will cherish you dear glencore said the duke affectionately ah brignol i remember you and this who is this trainer my lord billy trainer that will never leave you while he can serve you whose tears are those upon my hand i feel them hot and burning said the sick man and billy stepped back that the light should fall upon the figure that knelt beside him don't cry poor fellow said glencore it must be a hard world or you have many better and dearer friends than i could have ever been to you who is this billy tried but could not answer tell him if you know who it is see how wild and excited it has made him cried the duke for stretching out both hands glencore had caught the boy's face on either side and continued to gaze on it in wild eagerness it is it is cried he pressing it to his bosom and kissing the forehead over and over again whom does he fancy it whom does he suspect this is look brignol cried the dying man in a voice already thick with a death rattle this is the seventh lord viscount glencore i declare it and now he fell back and never spoke more a single shudder shook his feeble frame and he was dead we have had occasion once before in this voracious history to speak of the polite oblivion florentine society so well understands to throw over the course of events which might cloud even for a moment the sunny surface of its enjoyment no people so far as we know have greater gifts in this way to shroud the disagreeables of life in decent shadow to ignore or forget them is their grand prerogative scarcely therefore had three weeks elapsed than the terrible catastrophe at the palazzo della torre was totally consigned to the bygones it ceased to be thought of spoken of and was as much matter of remote history as an incident in the times of one of the medici too much interested in the future to waste time on the past they launched into speculations as to whether the countess would be likely to marry again 
what change the late event might effect in the amount of her fortune and how far her position in the world might be altered by the incident he who in the ordinary esteem of society would have felt less acutely than his neighbours for glencore's sad fate upton was in reality deeply and sincerely affected the traits which make a consummate man of the world one whose prerogative it is to appreciate others and be able to guide and influence their actions are in truth very high and rare gifts and imply resources of fine sentiment as fully as stores of intellectual wealth upton sorrowed over glencore as for one whose noble nature had been poisoned by an impetuous temper and over whose best instincts an ungovernable self-esteem had ever held the mastery they had been friends almost from boyhood and the very worldliest of men can feel the bitterness of that insulation in which the turn of life too frequently commences such friendships are never made in later life we lend our affections when young on very small security and though it is true we are occasionally unfortunate we do now and then make a safety make a safe investment no men are more prone to attach an exaggerated value to early friendships than those who stirred by strong ambitions and animated by high resolves have played to the great stakes in the world's lottery too much immersed in the cares and contests of life to find time to contract close personal attachments they fall back upon the memory of school or college days to supply the want of their hearts there is a sophistry too that seduces them to believe that then at least they were loved for what they were for qualities of their nature not for accidents of station or the proud rewards of success there is also another and a very strange element in the pleasure such memories afford our early attachments serve as points of departure by which we measure the distance we have travelled in life i say we we were schoolfellows i remember how he took the lead of me in this or that science how far behind he left me in such a thing and yet look at us now upton had very often to fall back upon similar recollections neither his school nor his college life had been remarkable for distinction but it was always perceived that every attainment he achieved was such as would be available in after life nor did he ever burden himself with the toils of scholarship while there lay within his reach stores of knowledge that might serve to contest the higher and greater prizes that he had already set before his ambition but let us return to himself as alone and sorrow-struck he sat in his room at the hotel d'italie various cares and duties consequent on glencore's death had devolved entirely upon him young massey had suddenly disappeared from florence on the morning after the funeral and was seen no more and upton was the only one who could discharge any of the necessary duties of such a moment the very nature of the task thus imposed upon him had its own depressing influence on his mind the gloomy pomp of death the terrible companionship between affliction and worldliness the tear of the mourner the heart-broken sigh drowned in the sharp knock of the coffin-maker he had gone through it all and sat moodily pondering over the future when madame de sabloukoff entered she's much better this morning and i think we can go over and dine with her today said she removing her shawl and taking a seat he gave a little easy smile that seemed assent but did not speak 
I perceive you have not opened your letters this morning said she turning towards the table littered over with letters and dispatches of every size and shape This seems to be from the king is that his mode of writing gr in the corner? So it is said Upton faintly will you be kind enough to read it for me? Pavilion Brighton dear Upton let me be the first to congratulate you on an appointment which it affords me the greatest pleasure to confirm What does he allude to cried she stopping suddenly while a slight tinge of color showed surprise and a little displeasure perhaps mingled in her emotions I Have not the very remotest conception said Upton calmly Let us see what that large dispatch contains it comes from the Duke of Agecombe Oh, said he with a great effort to appear as calm and unmoved as possible. I see what it is They have given me India India exclaimed she in amazement. I mean my dear princess. They have given me the governor-general Which of course you would not accept Why not pray India? It's a banishment barbarism isolation from all that really interests or embellishes existence a despotism that is wanting in the only element which gives a despot dignity that he founds or strengthens a dynasty no no charming princess said he smiling it is a very glorious sovereignty with unlimited resources and a very handsome stipend which therefore you do not decline said she with a very peculiar smile with your companionship i should call it a paradise said he and without such such a sacrifice as one must never shrink from at the call of duty said he bowing profoundly the princess dined that day with the countess of glencore and sir horace upton journeyed toward england End of chapter fifty three